It's such a blessing to be able to get together with you on Sunday mornings. I came in, in here this morning, and when y'all got to worshiping and spending time with the Lord, it was a blessing to me. Got all fired up. There's so much life here. Do you realize that? I mean, you, we are so acclimated to it. It's like, have you ever, um, what can I use as an example? You know, those LED panels out there and those other things, when they came on, that's bright light. I mean, that's some, they're really putting out some light over there. If you've been in the darkness, you're not acclimated to it, and it's almost overwhelming. But once you are around light for a while, I mean, you kind of get used to it and it becomes familiar to you. You, you kind of take it for granted because you're used to that light. I, I want you to understand that in the world, what you have is unique. You probably are standing out to people without even realizing it. They're looking at you, and your family members are seeing this transformation process that's going on in your lives, and they may, be, they may react to it because it feels strange. Well, you think you're something then, then don't you? you? You think you're better than us, don't you? But, at the, at, but secretly on the inside, they're probably jealous. I, want, I don't know what's going on with her, but I sure wish that I could get some of that. Or I don't know what's going on with him or why he stands out as being different or something's changing. He doesn't react the way he used to. There's light inside of you. And you may not be aware of the fact that you are shining brightly. But there are people around you who are seeing it. And you're being a, a witness and a testimony without even realizing it. And I want to encourage you in that. When we gather together like this, folks, this place is supercharged with the presence and power of God. Because you carry him with you everywhere you go. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Let's not put that, hide that light. Let's let it shine. Let it shine. If you are in Christ... <clears throat> If you're in Christ, he is in you. So together, Christ in all of us. <clears throat> I don't mean to spend a whole lot of time on this, but when you, there's a little, you've got one of those little flashlights, got one of those little LED squares in it. Have you ever seen that, the little yellow square, the new LED flashlights? You know what I'm talking about? How many people know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> They don't have the bulbs anymore. Now they've got a little, little yellow square in there, and you're like, what in the world? How does that even put out light? You know what I discovered about those? I'm a flashlight guy. <laughs> Cecile says, Lord, help us. But I'm subject to buy a new flashlight at any time. There's two in my car right now. <laughs> yeah, there's two in my car right now, and I try to put one in every car. There are flashlights all over the place, and I'll see a new one. I'm like, man, it's brighter. they got a new I'm out of lumens of this thing. Let's try it out. And it's got all, this one's got magnets on it, and it's got, you can stick it on stuff. I, I just love a flashlight. You know what I discovered when we put these new panels out there? It's now, I mean, I, I've got a flashlight that's like a 350 lumen flashlight, you know, and that's pretty good, but they make them brighter than that now. That panel is 26,000, I think 500 lumens in the panel. And it's a floodlight. I mean, it's up there on the pole. It can cover, I think it's 30 foot by 30 foot around it, a radius of 30 feet. You know what I discovered about it? It's got a whole bunch of little 
yellow squares in the panel. They have taken the light that one little, pan, little square can produce and they just put a whole bunch of them there and it covers a bigger area. Doesn't that sound like the body of Christ? God's taken the light that he's put inside of us. It is efficacious. It accomplishes what it has been sent to do. But he puts us together so that together we're able to reach further and accomplish more. Our light is multiplied as we work together with one another. What a blessing. All of that is a sidebar, surprisingly enough, to what I was going to share with you today. We'll see how the Lord ties it all in together. Sometimes he surprises me. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5 with me. And we're just going to stop and pray for just a moment. But this is the story of Jairus or Jairus, and I'm not going to tangle over how to pronounce it. I'm just going to say it however it comes out when we get there, okay? Father, Lord, this is your agenda. Your agenda is our agenda, your God. What you want to do today is what we want to do today. Lord, we make ourselves available to you. God, both when we gather together and when we leave this place, God, I stand before you today. I make myself available to you. Lord, would you accomplish in our hearts and our lives what you desire done? And may you be glorified in it. God, we may not see ourselves in this way. We may not understand ourselves in this way. But God, you keep putting in my heart, you keep putting in my heart, you keep putting it in my heart about this body of believers, your God. And I'm not reflecting on other people or other churches in any other kind of way, but I am reflecting strongly on this church, your God, because I keep hearing you say it's my dream team. Lord, and we may have settled under a, some type of, like, a, like we've got a lid over us, your God. We may have settled for things, but really, Lord, I keep hearing you say it's my dream team. It's my dream team. So, Lord, you know what you put inside of us. You know what you've invested in us over all these years, your God. You know what you put inside of us with regards to gifts, talents, and abilities that the enemy has done his best to keep us quiet. He's done his best to hold us back. He's done his best, but his best isn't good enough because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So, God, I pray that you would awaken those things, connect all the connections, and cause your light to come forth from us that brings exposing things of the darkness, your God, but bringing light and transformation to the lives that we come in contact with. And may the end of the story say that God was glorified through the way that we lived. And, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to spend a little time with the story of Jairus, and let's start with verse 21. I didn't give you a chapter. Chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Let's pause right there. It says Jesus crossed over again from the other side. Where had he been? What had he been doing? He hadn't been on vacation. He had just been to the Gadarenes. That wild man, demon-possessed person that had been over there, he had just set him free. You would think that Jesus would have been staying over in the Gadarenes doing a victory lap. 
man, did y'all see what I did? This is fantastic. But his purpose and plan was greater than having to sit and, and even be glory, take glory in what had just been accomplished with that person. Isn't it amazing that that newly delivered person, that he wanted to go with Jesus, he said, no, 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 you go back and tell your people. Tell your people what I've done. Tell your people what's, what's been accomplished. And so it says that that man went and, and told the good news about what Jesus had accomplished in his life in the areas of Decapolis, which really means the areas of Decapolis. Decapolis is two, the ten cities. So he traveled around in the area of ten cities, which was kind of northeast of Israel, and told the people about how he had been set free by the power of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? You know what's amazing to me about that? I mean, one day before, this guy was demon-possessed. Day two, he's out preaching the gospel. Qualified? Who qualified? Jesus qualified him. Jesus told him to go. What did he have to tell? Did he know everything? What story did he have to tell? His own. Your story is powerful. I feel like we're going back to three years ago. Three years ago, did I not over and over say, just tell your story? What have you got to share with people? I mean, he was savagely demonized, brutally so, powerfully demonized. And God sent him out. Jesus sent him out. And he began to tell the good news to the people he came in contact with through the ten cities. Isn't that amazing? Has God done anything for you? Tell your story. What may have become familiar to you in how God set you free can be a, not just a ray, but a beam of hope into the lives of someone you come in contact with. Tell your story. Don't hold back. Tell your story. Don't be embarrassed. Tell your story. Don't be afraid that you'll offend them. Tell your story. Talk about what the Lord's done in your life. Talk about... What, what God is doing in your life. Share it with the people you come in contact with. And it says that after Jesus had come to this other side of the, the, the lake, a great multitude surrounded him. And with all that multitude around him, there was one man that's spoken of right here. It said, Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. Let me just step back a little bit, not assuming that you already know, but the synagogue in the government of, of Israel, they were the leaders. I don't know why I'm second-guessing myself, but I am right now. But isn't, wasn't the synagogue comprised of 70 people? Isn't that right? So there were 70 leaders. There were different groups in there. There were Pharisees who were devout very legalistic in how they observed the law. There were Sadducees who were more like they focused on the legal aspects of things and are somewhat not very spiritual about things. But there were, there were differences in there. But the high priest was involved in this. So you had uh, priestly leaders. You had devout followers of the law. And then you had people that were more like, like lawyers or scribes, okay? And they came together and they 
formed the synagogue, and the synagogue would be the same thing like our Senate or our Congress, and they would speak to issues, they would govern and make determinations on issues, and this Jairus was a member of the synagogue, so he was prominent in Israel. He was one of the top 70 leaders in the nation. And when this whole multitude gathered around this person that probably based on his position politically, based on his position in leadership of the nation, was probably going to be sneered at, looked down on, and affected by the fact that he was willing to even to come to Jesus. But it said that Jairus came, and when he saw him, when Jairus saw Jesus, he said he fell at his feet. Let me just tell you, for Jairus to be moved to that level of humility to fall at Jesus' feet was no small matter. Because he, by falling at Jesus' feet, was acknowledging Jesus as spiritually one who's been sent by the Lord. It would affect his standing in the synagogue. It would affect how people would look at him in society. I mean, you're one of the big-name people in our community. Could you imagine a senator or a Supreme Court justice or a leader in our nation to come and fall at the feet of any minister or fall at your feet as you're a child of God because they are, they've heard that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you and they need something spiritually that, that they recognize that they don't have in themselves. So they approach you and, and, and call out and, and asking for prayer, humbling themselves before you. I remember Ravi Zacharias, if you're familiar with who he is, talking about how he was over there. I forget which country it was, Pakistan or one of those countries uh, in the region. And he was having a conversation. Uh, uh, Ravi's great, if y'all want to look him up sometime and listen to some of his things. But he is a great apologist um, uh, talking. He doesn't care who the audience is, but he will talk boldly. And he, he uh, debates with Hindus. He debates with Islamic people. He debates on campuses here in the U.S. and, and other nations. <clears throat> but anyhow, he was debating with some Islamic leaders in the nation where he was. He was on stage, and it was pointed out to him that in the audience was an uh, Islamic jihadist leader, someone who had been responsible for the killing of people that opposed Islam. And Ravi was told that when he got up to go on stage. And then Ravi had to speak, as he does, declaring the Lord, Jesus, as, as Lord and King. And so he did. And at the end of the meeting, as Ravi was up on the stage, this Islamic leader with his entourage came up on the stage, came over where Ravi was, Ravi was, and he got on his knees in front of Ravi and asked Ravi to lead him to the Lord. I mean, but that already took something for him and that for that person. It, it, it literally, among the radicals that he was a part of, I mean, that he was a leader of, that it, it could jeopardize his own life, but he was willing to make that commitment to the Lord. Jairus was not in too much of a different position here. If people saw him bowing to Jesus, we were not really at the point yet where hard opposition was coming against Jesus, but he was already being scrutinized by the leadership. 
And here, something moved Jairus so much so that he came to Jesus and bowed at his feet, recognizing his lordship. He said he fell at his feet. Verse 23 says this, and begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and that she may live. Something had touched Jairus' heart so deeply that he didn't care what public opinion was. He didn't care what anybody else thought. He didn't care how it would affect him. He was desperate enough to get this need met that he was willing to suffer whatever consequence. He just needed to see his daughter healed. So he came begging for Jesus. I, 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 I want to just take a little bit of a sidebar here. Have you ever gotten, have you ever had something that moved you that deeply? Have you ever had anything that was that vitally important to you? I know that, look, every one of us are living a very real life existence. Everybody in here in some way has suffered the loss of a family member, somebody near and dear to them. Some, you've had dire financial crises at times and things like that. So I, I know that when I talk about this, every one of us is, has been through something. And there are circumstances and changes at that moment. If we could have done anything to change the outcome, we would have done it. Here Jairus came and fell at the feet of Jesus, begging him to do something. I just, I, I want to, something's been stirring in my heart, and I, I, want, I want to just put this out there. Look, if somehow an angelic visitation, or somehow you were notified, it was made known to you that you had one more day to live, You had one more day. Are there things that are out of order? Are there things that should have been spoken to family members and haven't been spoken? Are there situations or circumstances that are left undone in your life that you, knowing you only had 24 hours, and from the announcement of it, the clock began to tick? The end is drawing near. We're 10, 10 seconds less time. We've got 20 seconds less time. Half a minute's gone. A minute's gone. The clock's, we're running out of time, folks. Is there anything that's left undone that you need to repair, that you need to remedy, that you need to put in place? Are there people in your life, this is going to be strong, okay? Are there people in your life that you're okay with your opportunity to influence them, passing from them. Okay, let me go back. Are there family members? Are there co-workers? Are there people in your life that you're willing to let go of and let them face eternity in their current condition without you saying what maybe the Lord's been putting on your heart to say? Can you have peace right now? 
with leaving your family members, leaving your friends in the condition that they are. If not, the clock's ticking. Whether it's 24 hours that's now down to 23 and 59 seconds or 23 and 58 minutes is what I meant. Clock's ticking, folks. We take eternity for granted. We take our life for granted. Why do we put off to, for to, until tomorrow things that we could do today? Look, and I'm not trying to just stir you up emotionally, but if it takes stirring you up emotionally, I might do it. Let's get done what God has placed on our hearts to do. Jairus came begging intently to the Lord. He didn't, he wasn't concerned about what people thought about him. He wasn't concerned about what it would cost him because his baby girl was on her deathbed. She was dying. He didn't have the luxury of time to wait. So it stirred an, earnesty, an earnestness inside of him and, and propelled him. It caused him to be passionate and sincere about this. He didn't care about the multitude that was around Jesus. He didn't care about the agenda of the day. He didn't care about that I'm interrupting Jesus, that maybe Jesus is planning on speaking to this multitude. I have got to have an answer. I have got to do what I'm here to do. There's an earnestness about it. It's got to be done now. There's a life that's hanging in the balance. It was this little girl. There have been various times with my family I could remember having an earnestness and just pouring my heart out to God. I remember when Cecile was expecting our first and Cecile was having some difficulty in pregnancy and in I've mentioned this before. Mike Shreve talked about how he would go out and pray in the cemetery because people would leave him alone. So I went down here to Maplewood. What a miserable place to pray. People are leaving you alone, but when your wife is having a troubled pregnancy and, and you know the baby's life is in jeopardy also and you're out walking around gravestones, and can I just say this to you about gravestones? Look, a hundred years down the road, acid rain's got to it. If you're trying to leave your mark after the fact, don't do that. Leave your mark now. Impact somebody's life today. Don't let your gravestone tell your story. Because a hundred years down the road, they're going to be like, what does that say? Can't even hardly read it. But I went out there and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I'm like, Lord, it's my wife and my child. Please intervene and thank the Lord. Hannah was born early and she was a little thing, but she was healthy and Cecile was healthy and every, all four of our children were the same way. Jairus was desperate to see an answer. But there was a multitude and he didn't let the multitude stand in the way. Folks, we need to get desperate about doing the things that there are people that are counting on us. Can I just put it to you this way? There are things that heaven is counting on you for. I use this phrase a lot, but I believe it to be true. I believe that as believers, we are strategically placed in places of influence. We're strategically placed with our peers. We're strategically placed with our family members. 
If you're at a job that you don't like or you don't have a job or you've got a situation that you're stirring around a, a group of people and you're like, I sure wish my situation would change. Maybe God's got you there at this time for a reason. So be salt and light in that place and affect them for the kingdom of God. And maybe when that duty is done, when that place is done, God will either change that environment and make it a better one or God will move you to the next place. But wherever God has you planted, flourish. Wherever God has you planted, rather than cursing it, bless it. Make it a better place because you're there. Not too many years ago, I talked to Cecile, and I said, I am completely unfulfilled where I am. It wasn't here. <laughs> I'm completely unfulfilled where I am, but it's a better place because I'm there. I work hard. I do my best. The company is flourishing and doing better because I work diligently. I'm putting, helping putting systems in place to be a blessing to them. I don't want to be here forever. <coughs> I went to the bosses, and I said, look, I'm called to the ministry, I said, I'm unfulfilled here. You know, I talked to him about that. But God had me there for a time and a purpose. So if you're there, even if it feels like a strange place to you, pray about it, but flourish while you're there. Do the work of the Lord. Jairus. And he begged him earnestly, saying, My little girl lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and will live. Verse 24 says, you know, Jesus had all these people that had expectations of them. I'm not that good. I can tell you that people's expectations will sway me sometimes. But Jesus saw this knee and it says, so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him. Followed him and thronged him. So he's, Jesus is trying to get to where the need is, but there's a mass of people that are all around him. And in this dire situation, which I'm sure that Jairus could have, y'all get out of the way. Stay away. My daughter has a need. You don't understand. My daughter's dying. He needs to get there. Rather than reacting like that. And in the middle of this dire story about Jairus' daughter, we have an interjected story which means that Jesus had to take time to be able to meet another need. It's amazing to me. The story's there about the lady who had been bleeding for a long time. Issue of blood is how it's talking about. And she had, says, she had suffered many things over many years with a whole bunch of different doctors, a whole bunch of people practicing medicine. Hadn't quite got it figured out yet. Didn't know really what to do, but they were doing something. But she had suffered at the hands of these people. And here in the middle of Jairus' desperation and his need, the master is moving my way. He's coming to my daughter to save her. All of a sudden, there's another need that, that pops up. Folks, everybody's got something that they're dealing with. I've told you this before, but... I remember going and standing at the back of the church one day and just, it was inspired of the Lord. I started praying and as the Lord took me from row to row to row to row, everybody that was in the sanctuary that day, the Lord pointed out to me a specific issue that they were dealing with, a specific family crisis, a specific financial need, a specific uh, something that they were going through that was particular to their life. And it struck me in two ways. Number one, Everybody's got stuff they're dealing with. We all do. 
Nobody's alone in this. Mine may different, be different than yours. You may feel like yours is more pressing than mine, but to me, mine's pressing. My stuff is my stuff. Your stuff is your stuff. We're all in this together. That's one of the reasons why it's important for us to support one another and strengthen one another and be there to pray for one another and lift one another up. It's a body thing. I'm glad my little pinky doesn't try to go off and do its own thing. I'm having a pretty good day. Look, I need you. Hang on. Hang in there. I need you. We, we, when you are spiritually doing well, don't forget about the people around you that may have a need. Can I encourage you in this? And I know that I'm, I'm talking to people. Y'all already do this. A lot of you do. And I, I'm thankful for that. But in your praying, let the Holy Spirit guide you to pray for people that you're in fellowship with that may need prayer. If you don't have a directory, pick up a directory. I took everything on that directory and plugged it into my telephone addresses, phone numbers. So if your phone number is incorrect, I may get the wrong phone. If you change your phone number, please let us know. But I've got it in my telephone, so I can sometimes pull up. I put in there under company name, or I put it in there, ICW, Impact Church Wilson. And I can pull up ICW, and it'll populate with the list of everybody that's in the church. And I can just start praying through the list of people in the church. I don't have to do that. I'm just... Detail like that. There was another word that was coming to mind, but I'll leave that off the tape. <coughs> Did I say tape? <laughs> Recording. Um, we're a body. We need to function as one. Pray for one another. Pray without ceasing. Pray for one another. When the Holy Spirit illumines somebody's name to your mind, when they, he brings somebody to your mind, pray for them. It's not a coincidence. There are times when two or three times during the day, the Lord has to smack me on the forehead with it sometimes. Pat, 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 three times in a day. I'm like, why do they keep coming to my, oh, maybe the Lord wants me to call them. And so I'll make that phone call and find out what's going on. I, I'm, maybe for you it only takes one time. For me it takes two or three times to get me back on track. But let's pray for one another. Let's nurture one Let's be there for one another, Okay. Everybody here has got stuff they're going to, going through. Everybody here has got family members going through something. We all have a need in some way. Amen? But we're family together. In the middle of Jesus going to see, going to Jairus' daughter here, he is not distracted, but he is delayed slightly to be able to meet the needs of the woman who was suffering. And her faith was so great that she reached out and took hold of the hem of his garment. And Jesus, the healing virtue, flowed out of him and ministered to her need. She reached out to Jesus even when Jesus wasn't reaching out to her. But because she was approaching him, because she was putting a demand on the anointing, her need was met. And then Jesus took, around, took, took uh, time to turn around and recognize her. That just, you know... But if only he would have laid hands on me. If only he had stopped in the middle of everything and had directed me. She put a demand on the anointing even when she didn't have Jesus' attention. Don't you love that? We try to put God in a box and say, A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. This is how healing works or this is how this aspect of our covenant works. You're in relationship with him. Daniel's not in here, so I'm just going to take the opportunity to talk. Daniel 
doesn't hesitate to come and open the fridge at the house. Last night he was standing with both doors open. He's staring in there and he's like, whatever's in there is mine. He doesn't have to say, can I? If it's in the fridge, he can grab and go. It's his to eat. Matter of fact, we're glad to provide it for him. You know, there's times we go shopping, I'm like, Daniel, is there something that you would like to eat? Is there something I can pick up and just stock the cabinet with it because that's something that you would like to be able to eat? That's a father's heart. You know what? You've got a loving Heavenly Father too. Do you realize that God has provided things for you? Do you realize there's things that He's provided for you that are in that store cabinet, that are in that refrigerator for you? And you may not even know that it exists. So God provided a, an inventory of provision, a manual to live by, but an inventory of the blessings of the Lord to you. You need to take time to get familiar with. Just open up the fridge door sometime. Open up the storehouse and say, look, oh my goodness, look at all these things. I may not be able to get to that today, but I'm going to come get some applesauce later. I'm going to come get some of that. That looks good. I'm going to get some of that string cheese or something later. I know that it's there for me, though. That may be not what I'm focused on today. I'm going to get mac and cheese or something else out, but I'm going to come back for that later. God's provided an abundance of blessing to us. It's yours. Even though she didn't have Jesus' attention, she was still able to avail herself of the anointing. And then Jesus turned around and recognized, knowing that something had flowed out of her. Was he upset? No. Why did he stop? It wasn't because he felt depleted or because he was upset. I think he was blessed that somebody had that type of faith. Somebody was willing to appropriate something that he was more than willing to provide, even though he was being distracted with that whole crowd. God blessed her. Anyhow, going on to Jairus, you know, it would have been very easy for this guy to say, look, I'm a leader here. I'm a big wig. I'm an important person. Why would you stop and take time when my daughter's at stake? But you never see that in Jairus. I appreciate that. You never see an ill attitude. It could have been very easy for him because the next report that he has is from people coming from his house. So look at verse 35. While he was still speaking, while Jesus was still speaking, some came from the rulers of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter's already dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? It's over. It's done. And can you imagine what could have happened in Jairus' heart at that point? If only. If only. Jesus, why did you get distracted? Why did you forget about my circumstance situation? Why did you put me on the back burner? Why did you put my daughter on the back burner? Why? Why was this person blessed and we weren't blessed? Why was I forgotten about while somebody else was being taken care of? Why even trouble him? It's over. It's done. End of story. The, the whistle's been blown. The, there's no more time. We're, we're out of time. But the story doesn't end there. Verse 36 says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that had been spoken, 
Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid. Don't let this report shake you. What may be over in man's book is not over in God's book. What, said, what when man says you're disqualified, you're not capable, you're not good enough, time is past for you, Abraham. Too late to have that promise fulfilled. We have a God that can change the order of the universe. We have a God that can take the great Red Sea and part it and make the land dry underneath your feet so that you can walk through. We have a God that can take you through the driest place, a place of barrenness, a place where there's no water. He can create a river to flow in that place. He can provide manna from heaven. He can see to it that your needs are met. Are you walking where God called you to walk? God can sustain you there. What looks, when it looks like it's over in man's realm, they may not have calculated God's realm yet. Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow. Jesus recognized there are people that doubt. There are people who will not believe. There are people who will discount the opportunity that heaven is affording. There are people that will try to talk you out of the blessings of the Lord. There are people who will try to tell you that it's over. It's too late. You might as well give up on that. You may, may as well develop another dream. You may as well move on. Yeah, look at them. They, were, they had faith in God, and, and God missed it on the timing. But Jesus said, except for Peter, James, and John, the brothers of James, he said, and then... He came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and he saw a tumult. What's a tumult? Commotion. There's a whole lot going on. What was going on? In those days, it said tumult of those who wept and wailed loudly. Did you know in those days that they had people whose profession it was to mourn? They were paid to mourn. We want to make sure that it feels like a funeral. We want to make sure that it is dramatic enough. We want to really show our dearly departed that we love them. So we're going to hire people to come and wail on our behalf. We're going to raise the song of mourning around our house. So they were professional people. They were paid to come and wail and moan and groan and, oh. Look, I'm, I, I have mourned. I have grieved deeply. I have shouted to the Lord my questions of why. I have expressed that I had a different opinion of how I thought things should happen. I know what it's like to lose a loved one in a hard way. I know what that pain is like. But I also know in that place, and I'm, I'm gonna, I did not waver in my love for the Lord. I didn't turn away from the Lord, but I can tell you there was a deep question why. But I can also tell you this, God never left. God was not shaken by my question. God did not get offended by the fact that I expressed what was in my heart. Jesus knew what it was like to lose someone that he really loved, and he wept. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. 
He was moved by Lazarus' death. He wept when he thought of the heartache and the brokenness. And he even knew that he would be resurrected. But yet he was still moved emotionally. Isn't that amazing? I understand what mourning and hurting is like. Jesus came upon this crowd, some mourning in sincerity and some mourning professionally. Seems strange to us, doesn't it? And when he came, he said to them, what makes, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. But the, di- the doctor has already said it's over. The hospital checked the pulse. There is no pulse. There's no respiration. Every sign says it's over. But God hadn't said it's over yet. God put a vision in your heart. But it's been so long, surely. I've been caught up in so many things. There's no way I can get to that. It ain't over till God says it's over. Why would God birth a vision in your heart? Why would God put that seed into your life? Why would God put a plan in your life? Some of you feel like life, the thing that God early created you for, that you've been so caught up in the entanglements of life that it's gotten so busy and the bills are there and now family life has entangled you, but what God put inside of you, he still has inside of you. Just because it looks like life has taken a turn to this direction instead of that direction doesn't mean that God's finished. So remember that slap on the forehead thing I'm talking about? <laughs> Three times Holy Spirit has taken me here in the last two days. There are missionaries here in this building. There's, there's people here that God's going to send to other nations. I'm not just talking about myself. I've already signed up. I'm not talking about going to stay But I know that part of my calling has to do with reaching and impacting nations. But three times in the last two days, God's spoken to me that there's somebody here that God's going to be sending to nations. So there's missionaries in the house. It ain't over till he says it's over. And if he hasn't said it's over, it's not over. He rules and reigns. Why make this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Look, the vision that God put in your life, that thing that he birthed inside of you that started out infantile on the inside, it was exciting and everything, but you've never really seen it come into being. You've never seen it lived out in full. You may have seen traces and parts, and you've been excited about it, and you've seen partial maturing and partial development, but you haven't really seen it come to its fullness. It hasn't grown to adulthood. It hasn't come to fruitfulness yet in your life. You've seen it partially mature, but it seems like it's just become idle and it's grown, uh, it's, it's grown distant and somehow fading away and you think that it's all dead and gone. If God birthed that into your life, I'm going to tell you, God had an intention with it. God's got a purpose for you. Don't let it die inside of you. Hold on to faith. Let God produce fruitfulness in it. Give it back to God. Call out to the Lord. If he birthed it, his intention is to bring it about. The child is not dead but sleeping. 
And it says that those who observed, those who had natural vision, those who could only see from man's perspective, those that were surrounding him said they ridiculed him. But I love what Jesus did. He said, but when he had put them outside. <laughs> Look, there's people in your life that cannot see your life from God's perspective. Are you going to let them be the rudder for your life? Are you going to let those discounters, those people who probably don't want to see you excel, don't want to see you overcome, are you going to let them be the determining factor of what you will accomplish with your life? Put them outside. If there are people who are dragging you down, if there are people who are hindering you, don't be ugly to them, okay? Because they need to be close enough to you to be able to see when God does what he's going to do. Just put them outside the door. Don't send them home. <laughs> Just quiet their voice and give God an opportunity to work. He put them outside. He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with them. So he's talking about these three that he mentioned before, Peter, James, and John, and he took them into the room. And they entered where the child was lying. I love what happens right here. It talks about how Jesus, for 40 days and nights, had to labor and travail to try to make something happen. Have you noticed that? Does your Bible say that? Mine doesn't say that. Oh, somebody is so upset that they're missing out on what's going on here in the service that they're calling to find out what's going on. <laughs> Jesus, this, this child's lying there, and Jesus took the child by the hand and said, Talitha kumi. Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. <laughs> Why didn't he have to fight? Why didn't he have to struggle to get her to come alive? Because he had the authority. He could take clay and mud and squish it all together and out of the dust of the earth form a body and breathe life into it and it became a living soul, Adam. He had the ability to speak to the wind and waves in the middle of a boat, out on a, on a lake, and they just have to calm down. Peace be still. I'd love to have been at that boat. Not the sinking side. But to just see the transformation. Do you, do you realize that when the Lord commissions you to go and do something, I'm talking about a, a heaven commission. When God says, I want you to go pray. I want you to go, it's not just a willful action, but when God commands you, when God commissions you to go do something, do you realize that you are not making it happen? You are just becoming a conduit for what God's already purposed and planned. All you have to do is release what he told you to do. I have been guilty standing right here 
praying for someone that needed a miracle. Standing right here. They were standing right there praying. And I was doing my best to pray the right formula, use the right scriptures, trying to persuade God to do what it was obvious needed to happen in this person's life. I mean, but I'm trying to get God's attention to see if I can get God to come down and minister to this person. Because they had come with the need, so I'm trying to, you know, like this. And it was right here where God spoke to me and said, I'm the surgeon, you're just the nurse. So back up, and I'll let you know if I need something. God spoke to me like that. And you know what I did? I hands off, I stepped back. And I stepped back and started to pray. Lord, what do you want to do? My whole system had been just rattled right then. But God said, step back. I'll let you know if I need something. And shortly, within not too long a period of time, it was a few, few moments, but shortly the Lord said, now I want you to go lay hands on them and release my anointing to them. It wasn't about me trying to coerce heaven, but me acting as an agent of heaven, releasing heaven to earth. And so I went and laid hands on them, and God touched that person. God blessed them. God brought healing to their life. But it wasn't me trying to persuade God. It was God being able to act through me, God working through me. So let me just, I want to reiterate, I want you to get this. Jesus didn't have to work it up in this situation. Jesus just was able to release what God, what already needed to happen in her life. God just said, Talitha Kumi, little girl. Get up. And whatever was out of place in her life, whatever was in disorder, whatever sickness or ailment or whatever had been caused her to come to this place of death, and it wasn't just that she was sleeping. <laughs> whatever was out of line had to line itself up with the commanding authority of heaven. Whatever God has spoken over your life, whatever God sends you to do, whatever God's birthed inside of you, God keeps bringing this back as I'm speaking to you, bringing it back to vision and purpose. It may look like it's been dead, like it has passed the time of mourning it had come, but if God birthed it, we're speaking life to it today. Come forth, come alive. That purpose, that plan that God birthed you for, what God set you in the earth for, those relationships that God's put you in that maybe you've been biding time or just kind of wondering and you know there's something that needs to happen. God, let it come to life in Jesus' name. Arise. And it says, and immediately, <laughs> he didn't have to persuade her or he didn't have to work it up. He, didn't, he just, just released. And immediately the girl rose and walked. For she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with amazement. I'm going to tell you, there was a happy mom and dad in that room. There were some amazed disciples. They weren't as emotionally attached. I can tell you, I'm, I'm sure that they shed some tears. To see a, a dead young girl come back to life, that would have been exciting for me. I would have cried, I can tell you that. To see the, the hugs and the tears flowing between mom and dad and that little girl, mom and dad. What you crying about? What's wrong? I would have loved to see the faces of the people on the outside of the door. 
But can I just tell you this? If we'll share the story that God's given us and tell what God's done in your life and let the Lord live through us, they'll be no less amazed about what God's able to accomplish in us. When you're at the auto auction place and a need arises and understand, man, we sure need some Jesus in here. Well, Jesus is in me. Let's just let him, let him be free. Look, don't disqualify yourself. Don't say, I wish somebody else was here. Look, if God can take a demon-possessed man and turn around and send him out as a messenger... Louise gave a dramatic testimony last week about how God took someone that in some people's eyes may have been unlikely. And Louise, we thank the Lord for the lives that have been touched and blessed. And I know where your heart is. You'd like for me to just be quiet right now. We'll let Jesus get the glory because he can use a fisherman. He can use a tax collector. He can use, would you just raise your hand? Just, just, just humor me for just, just raise your hand. Everybody, come on, just raise your hand. Raise your hand, everybody. Everybody, is there anybody without a hand raised? Would you just say, he can use me? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together and let's pray. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Bless your name, Lord God. God, I thank you for this amazing word that you give us. It's full of life, dear God. It's full of encouragement. Lord, here we are. Would you use us, dear God? Activate us for your kingdom, dear Lord. I thank you, Lord. There's people here who have been used for years. They're continuing to do the work of the Lord. They've been so faithful. But God, would you just amp it up a little bit, turn the dial a little bit. Let's activate this thing even more, dear God. Set the captives free. Open the blind eyes. Send us with words, your Lord, that, that set people free, Lord Jesus. God, our community is so full of people that need hope. They need life, dear God. They need a little light in their darkness, dear God. Lord, there's people out there. We were talking about someone earlier today, dear God, that went through a really hard place in their relationships dear God and they ended up becoming alcoholic and being caught up in that and it almost destroyed them God there's people out there that are doing all kinds of things that they shouldn't be doing but God they're trying to medicate themselves they're trying to find some type of cure at the end of a bottle or at the end of a needle God through a computer monitor dear Lord or through a relationship they shouldn't be in your God they are desperate and they're dying in that state Lord one more day Lord help us to number our days and use them wisely Lord help us not to waste our time and see souls go into eternity without knowing you Lord I, I don't even want to focus on that right now but Lord I want to pray for your activation your God of the gifts that you placed inside of us reawaken the vision your Lord God, open doors of opportunities for your people to be in places where they can influence and impact lives, your God. Provide financially, your Lord, so that they can be blessed and so that they can be a blessing, your Lord. Use us to advance your kingdom in the earth so that you can be glorified, your God. And Lord, that we can enter eternity with a host of people, Lord, not just from this nation, but from around the world whose lives have been changed by the Christ that's inside of us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you just lift your voice and thank him with me right now? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for choosing me, dear Lord. Thank you for using me, Lord God. Bless your name, Lord God. Oh, Lord God. Well, we stand before that throne and the declaration, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we stand shoulder to shoulder with nations and generations of people who have come to know you. God, may we be able to look around and see some that are familiar, that are standing there, Lord, because we've done something to reach them for you. So work through us, dear God, in word, through prayer and healing, dear God, through deliverance, dear God, through provision. Lord, may your name be glorified in it all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Secret agents of the kingdom of God. Let's go shake the world.